Our text for meditation for this twelfth Sunday after Trinity is on our epistle reading. Hear the word of our Lord from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Oftentimes, people will absolutely beg for a pastor, theologian, church body, and so forth to condemn wickedness in our society. In the 21st century, we are surrounded by evil, which asserts itself, puts itself in our ears, in our eyes, 24-7. And we all just want to see a pastor say, stop, quit it. This is wickedness. This is evil. But unfortunately, all too often, we go to a pastor or a theologian, and what is their reply? Well, what everybody needs is the gospel. The gospel is what fixes culture and behavior, not the law. We're here to preach Christ crucified, not some judgment against human behavior. Now, let me tell you right now, the notion that the gospel fixes societal problems, it's absurd. God gave us the law for that. God has already given us the law, especially in its first use. St. Paul does not call the law the ministry of death or the ministry of condemnation because that's a bad thing. To the contrary, he is highlighting the main use God has for it. The Ten Commandments, indeed this includes all the civic commandments and the rules found in the Mosaic Law, that serves to limit the effects of wickedness and sin on earth. We call this the first use, or the curb. Meanwhile, the second use, the ministry of condemnation, is the mirror which tells us we are sinners. Today, let's highlight that first use, since it gets so little attention from sermons these days. The law serves as a curb against wickedness by threatening us sinners, and it punishes sin through civil government. Do you have a theft problem in your country? We punish thieves. Do you have a murder problem? We kill the killers or lock them away in a jail for the rest of their lives. That's a good thing. 
You see, it is good to have a law that is enforced, or else sin and the devil would triumph in their ultimate aim of destroying God's creation entirely. St. James writes in his epistle in the first chapter that sin gives birth eventually to death. It is an undoing of creation. So the pastor who claims that we only need to preach the gospel and proclaim Christ crucified, we have nothing to do with the law. Whether he knows it or not, he's being a servant of the devil. The gospel proclaims Christ crucified for our sins. But Christ is not a savior to you until he is your savior. When we receive the words of the gospel with penitent hearts, then the gospel works in us and inwardly transforms us. But what good is that to the impenitent, those who love, cherish, and never regret all the nasty sins that they're committing? If you only preach the gospel to them, then, look, at best you're going to get antinomian Christians, people who sin willy-nilly because Jesus died for them. At worst, They'll ignore it, or sin even more than before, perhaps out of some sort of defiance to Jesus because they think the gospel is stupid, they will continue on magnifying their evil. The law must be enforced in both its first and second uses, the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation, to properly warn them. Now let's not think that the law is bad. This applies to our individual lives for our benefit. The law helps us to live an outwardly or civically righteous life. If I am tempted to commit adultery, the law will exhort me to run away from that temptation. Do not do this. If you do, not only will God be upset with you for cheating on your wife, but think about how this is going to decimate your life. Imagine losing everything in divorce court, never seeing your children again, and for what? A few minutes of pleasure? You see, the law is benefiting me there by serving as a conscience, helping to curb my own wickedness as well. If it helps you to think about it as the Jiminy Cricket figure telling you, don't do that, you know this is going to hurt you, or you'd better do the right thing, it is helping me. But the curb does not always work, does it? We are very stubborn in our sin. That is where the second use, the ministry of condemnation, comes in. The commandments tell us we are guilty and merit eternal damnation for our sins, and we need a savior. But non-believers, of course, they don't always listen to this, nor do they even care. Yet the commandments must still apply to them. And without the first use of the law, the curb being enforced, they're going to run amok with sin unchained. If they receive punishment in the civic sphere, they may begin hearing the terrifying condemnations of the law and begin seeking our Redeemer. Both are necessary, the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation, and so both must be preached. But regarding the pastors who are against the church being involved with the culture, against the proclamation of law in its first use, 
the men who demand we only proclaim Christ crucified. Reading our epistle for today, these men may rebut that the glory of the law fades. It is not the main ministry, and Moses' shining face grew dimmer. This is most certainly true, but not in the way they wish it was. You see, the law's glory does fade, and for a multitude of reasons. The first and foremost reason is that humans die. We fade. And when we die, we are no longer subject to the law's demands. How shall the commandment against theft apply to a corpse? Can you take a dead guy to court? Can you send a dead body to jail for stealing a car? For that matter, when we die, the second use, the ministry of condemnation, does not apply either. At our deaths, it is no longer time for accusations, it's time for sentencing. When we shed our mortal coils, the one question posited was whether we heeded the mirror that told us we needed a savior and received the gospel in faith. Now, another reason for the fading glory of the law is that it does not make us righteous, beloved. Seeking to obey the commandments can give you an externally righteous life. Someone who doesn't, someone might not commit adultery or blaspheme God in public or steal stuff. They might not even covet their neighbor's house. But that's the most the law can do, is modifying your behavior. Being against sin does not equate to being for God's righteousness. The law condemns sin, but does not change the heart. We are not righteous when we do what is right out of fear, nor are we righteous when we do what is right out of some self-evident tautology, good is good, so I do good, some self-made morality. God wants our innermost self, our very soul, to thirst for righteousness, to be good, not just do good. The gospel provides that righteousness. Our Lord Jesus comes to us and says, You are not good enough. I am, and I will be good enough for you. He bled for us on the cross and died for our sins, rising again that he may be righteousness for us in a permanent, glorious way. He has ensured that everyone who believes in him and is united to him in holy baptism will be with him eternally perfected in resurrection. Unlike the glory of the law, this persists for all eternity. We die to the law, we do not die to Christ. In comparison, the gospel outshines and surpasses any glory the law ever had being an eternal and salvific proclamation to us. What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Think of it this way. Would you rather visit a nice house for a day or live in a luxurious mansion? Of course, we're not counting things like property taxes or odd distances, etc. Would you rather drive a nice car for an hour or own a nice car. 
You see, the eternal life and imputed righteousness which our Savior gives us is permanent, unlike the fleeting and temporal application of the law. That's gone when we're dead. But is St. Paul agreeing with the gospel-only preachers? Should we only proclaim the gospel, Christ crucified for us, on account of the gospel's greater glory? No, beloved. A cart is best pulled with two oxen. In all of his letters, we see this same apostle using the law, especially the fiery words he wrote in his first epistle to the Corinthians. Our Lord God desires for sin to be condemned, both civically and in the pulpit. It is a necessary thing to express and achieve his will here on earth. Without the law, there is no good news in the gospel. There's nothing you are being saved from. There's no wrath, no enforcement, no consequences, just sin running amok and somebody telling you Jesus died for you. But lest we fall into the opposite error, let us not rely only on the law. Death and condemnation alone make for a ministry which is against everything and for nothing. The law applies here on earth, in our earthly lives. The gospel applies both here and in heaven. So it should be our chief concern because it is the only doctrine which benefits us into eternity. Thus the apostle and his associates are ministers of a new covenant, that is, of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates us through word and sacrament, making us new creations in Christ Jesus. The gospel does what the law cannot do, making us righteous and counted worthy of eternal life. But again, a cart is best pulled by two oxen. Without the law, the gospel becomes meaningless. Without the gospel, the law is, well, really just a pointless enemy to us, death for death's sake. But now that we are saved... Rejoicing in the gospel and living on this earth, the law is our friend. To curb our evil, to accuse us when we do something wrong, and to guide us through this life. Let us rejoice that he has set us up for success, both in this life and especially in the next. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.